I wanted to understand that. And I think there is no peace in the uh, ever. I have listened so much. It's this this vinyl record uh, with my first vinyl with Sackler is the one crackles like hell because I think I have listened to it a couple hundred times. This is Essential Tremors. I'm Lee Gardner. I'm Matt Byers. The idea behind this show is to have musicians and other creators talk about songs that shaped who they are. We're not looking for favorite songs necessarily. We're also not looking for songs that they'd choose to take with them if they were stranded on a desert island. What we're looking for are songs that have significance to them. Songs that might have changed the course of their creative lives or their lives in general. When Ermann Schmidt co-founded Cannes in Cologne, Germany in 1968, he did more than start a band. He helped cross the streams of avant-garde composition, free jazz improvisation, and proto-punk deconstruction to create a musical legacy that continues to influence and inspire musicians today. Cannes' seminal albums, including Monster Movie, Egabamyasi, and Tagomago, spliced the band's endless hours of rehearsals into suites of pummeling power and eerie beauty the latter often courtesy of Schmidt's organ and electronics. In the years since Cannes' breakup, he has continued to compose music for films, television programs, and an opera. He also collaborated on All Gates Open, a new book about Cannes that combines a biography of the band with interviews and his reflections on its work. The first song Schmidt chose as being formative to him was Igor Stravinsky conducting one of his own compositions, Le Sacre du Proton, or The Rite of Spring. I didn't understand it. It was so 
far away from anything I knew about it because I had a classical education and was not knowing very much about uh, 20th century music. So uh, I was so I was totally uh, fascinated, and uh, at the same time I bought my first um, record player a very cheap one and I had sold my electric little miniature uh, electric train thing and uh, for this uh, for the money I had got for that um, because we were very poor at the time after the war uh, I bought a record player and I had still money left for two pieces so I decided my favorite classical piece, the, the Unachieved Symphony by Schubert, and uh, conducted by Fritz Reiner, I think was the tape, uh, the, the record. And the other record I bought, Sacre du Printemps, I wanted to understand that, and I think there is no piece in the uh, ever I have listened so much. It's this this vinyl record uh, with my first vinyl with Sackler is the one crackles like hell because I think I have listened to it a couple hundred times until I really and it became my favorite piece of music of the 20th century so um, yeah it's uh, and it had a huge influence of my further musical development as a composer and conductor I was totally flabbergasted and uh, confused and uh, so uh, then I bought the record and uh, didn't stop listening for weeks and months uh, every day to it which uh, uh, recording is it that's that you've hung on to all these years it was Colum uh, the Columbia Symphony it was Stravinsky conducting himself I think the Columbia Symphony Orchestra uh, it was called, yeah, it, I mean, uh, that, uh, when 14, 14, let me think, that was in the year 51, 1951, long ago. Uh, you said that it had uh, an important influence on your, on your own music and on your conducting. Um, yes. How, how yes. so? Well, I mean, how so? Uh, the, you never can 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 explain this. It's it's uh, uh, the whole uh, idea of 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 of, of music was uh, when I was fourteen ch changed in me because all of a sudden there was this incredible, wonderful new sound of an orchestra which I had never heard of, and. Uh, it it had uh, a rhythm. It was in a, it had a rhythm which was totally new. And uh, well, I mean, uh, like like uh, if you become a composer, there there are sort of like landmarks which mark you, and that was one. And uh, you, this is what you always keep in mind. 
Uh, you cannot explain how, so that's uh, all I can tell you about. I mean, I'd still love to listen to it. I cannot get tired of that work. Uh, uh, but I mean, that's uh, with all classical music. I love like listen again and again to it. The second song chosen by Schmidt as being crucial to him was Gesang der Junglinge by 20th century German composer Karl-Heinz Stockhausen. Then later, 
a couple of years later, uh, he uh, he once, and we had already made uh, three, the, the third record, and we had um, uh, released Taco Margo, and a journalist came to um, Stockhausen and uh, asked him for a blind test with uh, some new rock records and he didn't like any of them uh, he was uh, he didn't like it he said away with it uh, i don't like and then they played um uh, from tagomago to him and he said oh that's amazing and he listened twice to it and sort of gave uh, very positive comments about it and then they and then he asked who is this and they said can and he said oh well no wonder it's my my students <laughs> uh did you have any contact with him later on um in ken's later years or in your own uh, work uh, after ken uh, broke up not very often it, it sometimes i went to his concerts and uh, once i went my, with my uh, to the uh, premiere of of uh, how is it called nori and this orchestra piece with the pantomime uh, performing and uh, then my four-year-old daughter wanted absolutely uh, to meet him so we went to the dressing room and she told him how much she liked it and so we talked about that even children understand sometimes she thought it's all uh, the, the, yeah she, she liked it so uh, anyway we had a contact through his um, at that time divorced uh, wife uh, because we were very close with her and uh, so, well yeah I, I met him a couple times and the last time I met him in the Barbican uh, the cultural center in uh, in London, where there was a big festival of uh, electronic music, on, especially electronic music, and uh, there were the early electronic works, hymn and telemusic and all that, were on the program of Stockhausen. And uh, I had made together with Kumo a, a huge sound installation which was running before uh, the the concerts at e in the evening so he was running all day in this uh, huge um, place space and um, this uh, one stock cousin came they told him but bef before the concert there, there is this uh, um, this, uh, electro, this uh, sound installation running. And then he said, uh, well, it has to stop two hours before my concert. And uh, they said, no, we want that when the people come in. And uh, then he asked, but who has it done? And they said, well, Amish men, oh, then let it run until the beginning. <laughs> and then 
I have uh, in the middle of a concert in the dressing room. Uh, I met him and uh, we were laughing about that he was first forbidding the, the, the sound installation and he said these sound installations normally are horrible, I don't like them but the use is wonderful. So then we were talking and that was the last time I have seen him. That was. Uh, a few times, yeah, quite some time later, he died. Do you think uh, Stockhausen's work is appreciated uh, enough now? Um, you know, I, he's of course, you know, very well known in certain circles, but I think that that maybe a lot of people don't know about his music and um, his innovations. That's true, and I wish it would be more, because uh, he has written amazing music. Um, it should be heard more, yes, definitely. should be played more, should be... Uh, well, you know, that's, that's um, with my... As far as I can uh, do something, for that's why I mention it, and that's why whenever I, uh, which happens quite often, that I'm asked uh, to uh, to make to make a program for one hour on some radio. So then, most of the time, I'm playing some stuckers. I'm curious. I guess I'm I'm looking for, in some ways, ways that some of your choices relate to the to the. Uh, music that you made in can and um, I know that you know as you said you studied with Stockhausen uh, I think Holger Zukai did as well um, yes that's uh, you know, where I met him actually if, if, if someone was looking for that influence in your music and wanted to hear those connections what, what uh, albums or what tracks would you recommend well should listen to say uh, Tago Margo Eagle like you Americans uh, might uh, call it. We say Tago Mago, we say Tomato, you say Tomato. <laughs> why, why that one specifically? Uh, well, it's, it's, uh, well, I mean, the, you know, as, as a composer, you never, uh, I mean, you never, can trace exactly and say the influence of somebody like the influence of Stravinsky, of uh, Stockhausen, or of Beethoven, or of uh, Jimi Hendrix, or is in this piece and you can trace it. That's not how it works. I mean, it's 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 in you, and it's it becomes part of you. And uh, sometimes in certain pieces, it might be a little bit more obvious. So on Tagomago, let's say uh, Almgen uh, might be the one where you might be able to, f yeah, or uh, I don't know. Uh, on on, on Tagomago, it's maybe more obvious than anywhere else. I can't tell you why. I mean, uh, that's uh, 
especially since it's it's uh, it's a music which is made by five people and they were not equally they had all different influences in their life and in their music so uh, it's very hard to point out one specific in one piece. That's an interesting uh, point you bring up because, um, you know, the music that you made is can, you know, you're a composer and that is your music and it's also the other four members' music at the time. There were five composers which uh, equally became the composer can with no hierarchy. The third song chosen by Schmidt was Jimi Hendrix's seminal recording from 1969's Woodstock Festival of The Star-Spangled Banner. together 
with Ken I wanted to bring together all which was fascina fascinating me in the new music of the 20th century and that was not only the new classical uh, Stravinsky, Bartok uh, and Stockhausen and Boulez music cage too uh, but it was also jazz and it was from the moment uh, yes especially from the moment Jimi Hendrix and the Velvet and uh, these can and Zappa uh, these this rock music appeared uh, I wanted to bring these uh, this was new music totally new music as new for the 20th century and as important as any classical music so uh, that was uh, what triggered in me to await uh, me finally uh, founding this group uh, with uh, one jazz drummer who had nothing done than drumming through the whole jazz history from Dixieland to free jazz and uh, one uh, classical educated uh, musician uh, like me Holger and me a classical composer and uh, uh, 10 years younger than me and Holger uh, M Michael who was an enormously talented and musically uh, absolutely wonderful rock guitarist so that was uh, and um, yeah come on and Jimi Hendrix music had quite an influence on that this group can happen for me but I found it and actually I got the people together so um, I can say that without this experience uh, maybe I wouldn't have done that did you ever see Hendrix play live yes twice in Germany and what was that like did that change how you thought about him was it what you expected yeah it was about what I expected and it was wonderful I really uh, um, because you know um, in a way uh, he created again a new instrument he created the the rock guitar like Coltrane recreated the saxophone Charlie Parker did and uh, that's one thing of, 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 of the great instrumentalists who are at the same time really create their own music they also create an existing instrument again it becomes a new instrument um, in their hands and uh, Jimi Hendrix with the guitar created a new instrument and that was so fascinating I'm curious among your list of, of things you didn't mention the Beatles and I only bring them up because a lot of people will credit them for you know changing pop music into something serious 
Did you uh, did you not rate them at the time? Well, I, I listened to them and I, I liked them a lot. Uh, I liked the Stones a lot, uh, maybe even more. Uh, but uh, the Beatles just, um, I mean, they they turned it into a kind of uh, nice, beautiful. The, the, the beat music as it was, or pop music, as it was called at the time, they turned it into very, very full of fantasy and into a kind of roman romantic uh, and very, I mean, the Beatles are extremely tasteful. And uh, they, they, oh, okay, they got very serious, but uh, uh, I mean, uh, they didn't influence me so much. I liked them very much, but uh, yeah. <laughs> This has been Essential Tremors. Essential Tremors is produced by me, Matt Byers, and Lee Gardner. Essential Tremors is distributed by WYPR Baltimore and NPR. Look for and subscribe to all of WYPR's podcasts at wypr.org slash podcastcentral. For more information about Essential Tremors, go to EssentialPodcast.com. Thanks for listening. Yeah.